0: Today's gospel lesson recalls one of Jesus's earliest public moments. Jesus goes to Capernaum. Capernaum is a little town near the shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is where near where the fishermen would have lived and he would have been in this community, not too far from Nazareth, but far enough to where people would accept him and hear him as a new teacher. Here in Capernaum, On the Sabbath, Jesus goes to synagogue and begins worshiping with people. The people there were astounded at what he brought. Now, teaching in the synagogue was part of the regular liturgy. In other words, as people would go and worship in synagogue, there would be a moment in the middle of the liturgy where teachers were allowed to come forward and speak. In a sort of way, it was almost like a sermon. And Jesus, as this new teacher, apparently got up and started to speak and teach. People were amazed at what he said. Now, this kind of idea of the leaders being astounded at someone's teachings reminds me of a church up in D.C., St. Mark's, where after the sermon, a preacher would go and sit down, and people from the congregation would be able to give thoughts, ask questions, give feedback, and the preacher would be able to have this little dialogue with them after the sermon, which I've always thought is quite fascinating. But here in the synagogue, we have a similar kind of look where Jesus gets up and teaches, and it's likely that people would have been able to respond to his teaching. But as Jesus is teaching and speaking and explaining the ideas of the Scriptures, Just then, in the synagogue, a man with an unclean spirit cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. Everyone was amazed. Can you even imagine this scene? Right there in the synagogue, Jesus commands an unclean spirit to come out of a man and heals him on the spot. Now, when I was in seminary, I took a class on practical ministry from this great professor, a former bishop, who would kind of teach us about how to do priestcraft not just stuff to think or theology, but how to actually do stuff. And I'll never forget one lecture as he was discussing some ideas of doing this priesthood thing. He said, you can do all kinds of things as a priest, but never try to do an exorcism. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I'm never going to do that. But today, we get this moment where Jesus kind of does one. Now, as I was thinking through this passage, preparing for this sermon, an obvious question kind of popped into my head. Did this man have an actual demon? Like, was he possessed in the way that we think of possession? Maybe. Eh, and maybe not. Consider the scene here. Jesus was in the synagogue, worshiping with regular people, surrounded by these people who are worshiping with him. Then, as the story is told, the man with an unclean spirit begins to speak. Now, the way the story is told, it's almost as if this man was there with them, worshiping alongside with them, listening to Jesus's teachings, without anyone seeming to care. Now, that tells me, as I really parse this out, that this man wasn't a lunatic. This man wasn't kind of out of control. He wasn't sitting there with his head spinning around, spitting pea soup across the room, which, young people, that is an old movie reference. So what then caused this man to blurt out? What caused him to have this moment where Jesus rebukes this unclean spirit? There may just be... A little more normalcy to this story than meets the eye. Recently, I read a story about a man named Solomon, who was a natural businessman. Now, growing up in East LA, Solomon didn't have too much. At age eight, Solomon remembers seeing a slingshot in a store window, but he couldn't afford it. So he went home, and with a few wire coat hangers and a pair of needle-nose pliers, He began to form a slingshot, which included cutting up his jeans. His mom did not like that. But adding a few rubber bands, this slingshot really worked. Other kids saw him playing with the slingshot and really wanted one. And he figured out that he might just be able to make a little extra money. So he made a few extra slingshots, would give one to one kid, and then five or six others would come and want to buy one. He naturally understood promoting himself. Now, fast forward to high school graduation and Solomon went into the army. He quickly made officer and he thanked the military for giving him the kind of structure and drive that he needed to really make his dreams come to life. But when he got out of the military, he knew he wanted to make some money, but he also knew he didn't know a lot about business. So he started reading business books to try and figure out how to start a business. So after reading a few books, he opened up a maintenance company. And that segued into multiple assisted living facilities and nursing home facilities. And then he began to rehab properties to turn for a nice profit. And soon, before he really knew it, he was making a lot of money. He had become a millionaire. He had a big home and a growing family. And as Solomon recalls that he was metaphorically cleaning up, he quickly found that his lack of business knowledge was about to break him. He discovered that one of his employees stole a lot of money, so much money that it actually undermined his cash flow, kept him from being able to make his real estate investments turn a profit, and he couldn't really even make payroll. Suddenly, Solomon said, I didn't know about accounts payable and balance sheets. I was totally clueless and it really hurt. Solomon went from living in a 10,000 square foot home to not being able to pay his $300 utility bills. He began sweeping floors at night just to make ends meet while he considered his next move. One Sunday, while he was in church, as he normally did, he recalls something amazing happening. I remember hearing the preacher's word, hearing scripture read, and suddenly I was crying. I was praying to God, praying hard for help to make it through. Now, Solomon may not have had a demon, but on that day, when he entered that church, he had a heavy heart. He was weighed down by negativity, by doubt, by frustration, and yes, by fear. How many times? Do we hit a wall? How many times do we feel exhausted, tired, frustrated at the end of our rope and just overwhelmed? Each of us carries the weight of our fears with us. And sometimes those fears become more than we can bear. And sometimes we hear God call out to us, the words of Christ call out to us, and sometimes those fears jump out of us, take control of us, and we need, need Jesus to guide us, to heal us, and to make us whole. Even though we are still distanced, we are still connected Church is not just in this building. Church is wherever we are, whenever we hear the true word of God, whenever we fall to our knees and allow our fears to be thrown out of us, thrown at God's feet, because then and only then can we actually receive God's healing touch. Today, we hear a story about Jesus' healing power that can seem so foreign and so sensational, and yet the reality of God's healing touch is here, available for each and every one of us. Let go. Let your fears and your frustrations call out to God, respond to God's word. And the faith that we share, wherever we are, is the faith that God will be there to help. God is, wherever you hear his word, God is here to guide us, to heal us, and to make us whole. Amen.